Thank you, Faith. Well, Happy New Year. Good morning to everyone. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first New Year service with us, I just want to state from the beginning, today we're going to lay out 23 principles for how you can have a successful year 2023. Amen? You guys are laughing because you know, as in the words of that fictional king from Wakanda, we don't do that here, you know? We get into the word here. We are returning to the Gospel of Luke. As we kid it on our podcast, we, we will be in the Gospel of Luke until Jesus returns. But no, we, we are thankful for this word. We're thankful for what God is doing. We're thankful for this new year. And I'm excited for what God is going to do in and through our church. Um, but the passage this morning that Faith read to you, it made me think of a song that was written by the late Sam Cooke. He uh, wrote this song, A Change Is Gonna Come. That's the title for today's sermon. He wrote this song in 1964, right in the thick of the civil rights movement. It's one of the most iconic, soulful songs that I think exists. I mean, it's just amazing in terms of the, the, the soulful sound. The, you, you can kind of sense his, his bewilderment in the lyrics. In the song, he expresses a bit of a, of, of a doubt that change was possible. But then he returns to the chorus to almost reassure himself that change is going to come. In fact, the first verse of that song, he says that he was born by a river. And just like that river, he's been running ever since, echoing a sense of being unsettled, unsure of the future, unsure where he's headed, hoping to, to, to maybe reach a place of, of, of being at a state of peacefulness and, and tranquility. I thought about that song because in this passage here, we have the Jews recounting two events that took place during their times. They were very turbulent times. In verse 1, it says that there were some Galileans who went to offer a sacrifice. And as they were offering their sacrifice to God, Pilate killed them. And it was so horrendous that their blood spilled over into the place where the blood of the sacrifices would flow. It says that they ming he mingled their blood with the blood of the sacrifice. That was totally horrendous. And then the second event that is counted here by Luke says that a tower fell on some innocent bystanders. These were very rough times. And if you were a Jew during this particular time, you had some questions. How is it that a man like Pilate, a Roman oppressor, how could he get away with what he's doing to the covenant people of God? And then you look at what happened to the people of whom the tower fell upon. You're, you're asking yourself a question again. Man, what kind of a sinner were they that God would allow that to happen to them? 
So in the midst of all of that, you may be scratching your head wondering if change is going to come. What kind of change? What needs to change? What needs to happen for this place to be different? And every new year, for each and every one of us, it's an opportunity to think about growth and change. Some of us do it naturally because you are high capacity. You like to get things done. You, you like to accomplish things. And so you think about the next thing to accomplish. And so the new year for you, what do I need to change to accomplish the next thing that I want to get done in life? Others of you, life is hard. Really hard, really frustrating. Maybe this past year wasn't the best year for you. And so the new year is a reminder to you that maybe there's some hope. Maybe there's a change that you might enjoy, that you might benefit from. And so you look at the new year with a sense of hope, but yet maybe still uncertain. Because I'm the same person. It's a new year, but I'm still the same person. Could I change? Is it possible for me to change? Is it possible for my circumstances to change? And so today, when we look at this passage, what I want you to think about and what I want you to consider as it relates to our lives today, change, real change begins with our relationship to God. It always begins there. Any kind of growth, any kind of change begins there. If you are the high-capacity individual that likes to accomplish things, you are tempted to think that change begins with your own strength. And guess what? You will accomplish some things, and you will miss the urgency of the statement that Jesus said, something worse will happen to you. Something worse. Yeah, you may succeed in this life and change some things and making things the way that you want them to be for you. You may enjoy a little bit of gladness, but as long as you continue to think that all of life centers around what you can do, you're going to miss it, and something worse will happen to you. And then to others of us in the room, you're looking at this new year and you're reminded that, man, I'm kind of the same person going into this new year and I want to change. And you need to be reminded of this. Real change begins in your relationship with God. You see, it's in the midst of troubling times. It was very common for Pilate and other Roman officials to act out in violence towards the people of God. And it's in these times that Jesus comes. It's in the time of people suffering unexpected tragedy. And Jesus comes, and yet not many people recognize him. And so in those first five verses, no other gospel account speaks of these two incidents. But Luke highlights them, and what they demonstrate is that life is sometimes unfair. The Jews are tempted to think during this time that something bad happening to you is an indication that you are a sinner. And Jesus lays that 
to rest and says, nope, but you all need to be mindful of something worse happening to you. And that is that you miss God's coming to you, God's grace being offered to you, God meeting you where you are right now. So life is sometimes unfair. And we can get hung up on that just as the Jews were in this situation, being perplexed, wondering, asking deep questions. Why would this happen to these people? And yet in the midst of all of that, we know that God is still just because he comes to them in this situation. And when he comes... He understands the environment. He understands what's going on. He understands the character of Pontius Pilate. He understands that the creation has been impacted by sin. He understands all of these things. And yet, he presses to the root of the issue. He says, unless you repent... He will likewise perish. And he's not talking about simply dying. Everyone will die. He's not talking about just death. But he's talking about eternal separation from God. He says that's far worse. That's far worse than something bad happening to you in this life. I think a lot of people don't believe that. They don't understand that. I think there's inherently within us a belief that we deserve better, that we deserve to have good things happen to us, that we deserve to be blessed, that we deserve you know, to be comfortable and prosperous in life. We, we're, we're wired that way. We think that we deserve that. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't bless us and that God doesn't make it possible for us to enjoy the blessing of his creation. However, we don't deserve it. We don't. I mean, I don't think we understand just how far sin separates us from a holy God. I mean, it is a vast chasm. And yet, in that reality... It's this reality that Jesus is willing to leave heaven, be born in a manger, as Pastor Mike talked about last week, among the lowest of lowest of men, coming to us, willing to suffer on our behalf so that we might be restored back to God. And yet, here is a story of people not really seeing it, not really getting it. And so what does Jesus do to try to help them? Well, he tells a parable. He jumps into the parable of a barren fig tree. He talks about this parable. This parable is an allusion to Micah 7, Isaiah 5, a reference of God being the owner of a vineyard, wanting, desiring to enjoy the fruit of his vineyard, and yet being frustrated. There was no fruit. There was no 
faithfulness, no expectation of a good God coming to heal us, to forgive us of our sin. So Jesus tells this parable. And he says to the, to the vine dresser, the owner, he says, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Three years, public ministry, looking for fruit, King Jesus. Three years, traveling throughout Israel, looking for fruit. So he says to the vine dresser, he says, cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Let's put something else in its place. And the vine dresser says, sir, let it alone this year until I dig around it and put on manure. And what he's saying is, look, let me break up some of the ground around this tree, throw on a little fertilizer, some manure, and let's see within the next year if the nutrients, if the water, if it would get down into the roots and allow this tree to produce some fruit. What an amazing illustration of the fact that God is patient. He comes into this turbulent time for his people, preaching a message that the kingdom of God has come into the world and that they are to repent. They are not bearing fruit. They deserve judgment and God demonstrates patience. Now his patience isn't without limits. He won't be patient like that forever. But yet, he is patient. And then from there, it would seem as if Luke is just kind of stringing together some random historical things, but they all, they all come together beautifully. When you can see the theme of suffering, you, when you see the theme of brokenness, when you see the theme of fruitlessness, they all come together beautifully. So it says the next portion of the scripture that Faith read to you, we see Jesus teaching in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And a woman who had a Issue that caused her to be bent over, causing her pain in her body for 18 years. Disabling spirit, Jesus heals her on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. When we talk about the Sabbath, immediately people say, well, it's my day off. That's, that's how we like to think of the Sabbath, as a day off, right? You know, God worked. Six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. It's not just a day off. It's a family day with the Father. God the Father. 
It's a day with him. It's a day of rest in him. It's a day of enjoying him. And this woman, though she had been through so much, 18 years laboring to get around, she found the strength, the energy to get to the synagogue on the Sabbath day to hear the word of God. There's some fruit. And you think of some of the reasons why people will skip church today. Right? I just don't feel like it. Bad hair day. Got into a fight with someone in my community group, so I don't want to come to church today. Disabling spirit, 18 years. Wants to hear the word. Looking to God. And the Sabbath is not just a day off. It is a day with family. God the Father. It is a day of resting in him. And what does Jesus do? He heals her. He goes out of his way to heal her. He goes and lays his hands on her and heals her. I love it that Luke is so detailed about that because it demonstrates the, the heart of the Father to give us rest. He understands this environment that we are in. He understands the circumstances that you're wrestling with. He understands that life is just sometimes not fair. He understands all of that. But real change begins with him knowing him, a relationship with him. And that's what this woman was after. She was pursuing that. And Jesus demonstrates that our God is faithful. He meets her in that. And he heals her. But something else happens in this same setting that demonstrates the fig tree being fruitless. The ruler of the synagogue protests what Jesus does. Six days you can come and receive healing, but not on the Sabbath day. That's the type of guy that's pretty, pretty you know, high capacity, accomplishes a lot, gets a lot done, thinks about getting things done. And this is this isn't what we do on this day. We got other more important things to get done today. We got goals. We got checklists. We got to get it done. And you are disrupting everything. Self-righteous, proud, and unable to see that he needs God. He needs God to give him rest. He needs God to forgive him and to grant him repentance. He can't see it. But God is faithful. And he meets this woman in this situation. He says that the entire, you know, the rest of the people there in the synagogue understood it and saw it. That this was something good that took place. This was God doing something good. It says his adversaries were put to shame. When you look at that situation of that healing, and you take into consideration what Luke tells us in verse 1 and verse 4, there are three causes of suffering and tragedy 
in this life. The first one, it's humans sinning against one another, right? We sin against each other, and that can cause each other suffering and hardship and difficulty and frustration and pain because we sin against each other. So sometimes in life, we may be suffering because we're suffering from the effects of sin being committed against us and the pain and heartache that it brings. The second cause of suffering and tragedy is, is just simply the curse of sin on the whole creation. Romans 8 says that the whole creation groans, longing to be delivered from under the curse. Or harmony to be restored between God and the sons of God, the children of God. And so things don't work as they ought to. Things wear out. Things break down. Our bodies break down. Bad things happen. Unfortunate things happen. Sad things happen. God understands all of this. Thirdly, there is demonic spiritual activity that we have to, that, that we may encounter in life. And we have to acknowledge this. Jesus said in the passage, not me, but Jesus said in verse 16 that Satan bound this woman for 18 years. Jesus said that. That doesn't mean that every sickness or every disability is, can be directly attributed to Satan. But there are some. Why do we know that? Because Jesus said it. He said it. He, didn't, he doesn't attribute every sickness that he heals to Satan. But he attributes this one. Now, he has the benefit of divine knowledge and understanding that we don't. So we need to be careful, but let's not ignore the fact that there is demonic spiritual activity that intends to oppress, hinder, frustrate, and hold you back. And yes, God understands. He comes to the people in the midst of this. They're dealing with their own sin against one another. They're dealing with the brokenness of sin within the creation. They're dealing with strong demonic activity, and he still comes to them to meet them in that place to bring real kingdom change. And it begins with knowing God. And so this year, as we think about moving through 2023, I know this isn't maybe the feel-good self-help message that maybe some of you expected this morning, but this is real. There are opportunities that God will give you to bring him great glory and honor. Some of them will be through tears, and some of them will be through great joy. Getting yourself ready to be faithful to those moments. It's about your walk with God. Your relationship with God. Maybe you, you want to 
Improve your health and fitness. Great. No problem with that. But what if you, you look like a Greek god or goddess and yet have abandoned the faith? It means nothing to God. It means absolutely nothing to Him. Maybe you want to put away some more funds for future planning, maybe starting a family or something great. Some great resources out there on how, on how to do that well. You can succeed in that and still grow cold in your walk with God and you failed. Whatever your goals are, I mean, they may be good goals, but remember this, that you, you have to cling to your relationship with Christ and real growth and real change begins there. There is some aspect of your life right now. And there's aspects of my own life where I want to grow more in my walk with God. My prayer as of late has been to increase in joy. Joy. I want an increase of the joy of the Lord in my life in 2023. That starts with my relationship with God, figuring out what is killing my sense of rejoicing in Him. I don't know, whatever the case may be, you need to consider that as you think about growth and change in 2023. And you need to remember that God is just, that God is faithful. God is patient. God, God has come to us. His grace is available to us. And any change and growth that is to be lasting and real in our lives, it begins with him. It begins with him. Amen? Let me leave you with this in terms of some, some more application. The first, first thing I want to say is that in this passage, there are three groups of people that... I think the message applies to the first group is, look, if you, if you aren't all in with Christ, you got to repent. There's an urgent call to repent. Turn and know him. Turn to him. Quit playing the fence. Quit slow footing it. But be all in. Repent and embrace him. There's some of you here today, you need to hear that. Look, just, just be all in with him. Second group, you're like the fig tree that's been in the garden for three years. You really haven't seen much spiritual fruit. You need to take you need to take some time in prayer and intentionally think about what it means to dig up the dull and hard surfaces of your own heart and mind so that the word of God may saturate your soul so that you can begin to produce real spiritual fruit in your life. And look, you, you, if someone were to ask you if you believed in Christ, you'd raise your hand. Yes, I believe. Yes, I, I'm a Christian. I'm in church. I'm in community group. I give. 
but your life just seems a bit stale and nominal. It doesn't seem like you're growing much. It doesn't seem like you've grown much in the past few years or so in your faith. You need to spend some time in prayer thinking about what does it look like to cultivate my own heart and mind for it to be saturated with God's truth that I might bear fruit in him. And then the third group, you come here because you're seeking rest in God. Like, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what's available to me next. I need some rest in God. And guess what? You are in the right place. God calls you. He extends his grace to you in Christ. The Spirit of God is able to lift those burdens. Is able to cause you to stand and to have the peace of God and to get you through this season that you don't think you can get through on your own. He's able to carry you through it. And you don't have to go through it alone either. And so, whether you know you've, you've been slow-footing in and you need to be all in with Christ, man, it's simple. You just need to repent. Whether you're a little bit aware of the fact that you haven't grown much in your faith. Let's start digging. Let's get that soil broken up so that the seed, the water, the spirit work deeply in your soul. And then lastly, God wants you to rest. He wants you to know that you don't have to go through this next season alone. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. God, your miracles not just because it displays your power over sin and the devil and this world, but because it demonstrates your heart for your people. God, we are thankful that you've given us a new year, but we know that we can do nothing apart from your grace, apart from your presence, apart from you working in and through us. So God, we ask you to give us not only the rest that our souls desire, to give us not only the change that we hope for, but God, make it even more clear and certain to us. Our salvation in Christ, your love for us in him, and how we are your children because of him. 
May that be the solid ground that we stand on. May that be the mountain that we stand on as we sang this morning. And the heaven that our heart rejoices in. That you have made us a part of your family. God, we're so thankful. This year, 2023, the year of our Lord, you reign. Be glorified in and through this church. Be glorified in and through our families. Be glorified in and through the young souls that are in here. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.